0: Good morning. Uh, my name is Jack, and I've been attending TCC for 20 years. Uh, this morning's scripture is from Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked... They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The word of the Lord. Hey, good morning, Terwilliger Community Church. It is good to be together this morning. Thank you, Jack, for reading our scripture for us today. And uh, that video was fun. I actually hadn't seen it yet, so good work on that, Tim. Um, And it's, I just want to say, our staff team, we love being together. Um, We love praying for you and ministering in this context. So um, just as the video kept saying, I just add to that, um, please uh, find one of us, connect with one of us after the service. We'd love to get to know you and help you find ways to make TCC feel more like home. And one more thing I want to add is the last couple of nights here at uh, TCC, we had a Refugee Bridge event. Both events were sold out, and they were just an amazing evening of hearing the stories of refugees, um, and and as well as an opportunity for people to to add support to the ongoing work of the Ministry of Refugee Bridge. And uh, Bob and Beth are here this morning. I just want to give you guys a round of applause as well as to the Ministry of Refugee Bridge. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. You know, it's amazing when we see the crises happening around the world and you watch what's going on and you want to know how you can help. Uh, Bob and Beth and their team are doing practical things to respond to those needs. And so we bless your ministry and thank you so much for the work that you all do. Uh, let's pray together and we'll jump into Psalm chapter 1. Yeah, Father, it is good to be together. In this September month, Lord, it is a week behind us where school has kicked off for many And new rhythms and routines are settling in. And Jesus, as we orient our hearts this morning in worship, as we orient our hearts in the presence of this fellowship and community, as we orient our hearts around your word, we just invite your Holy Spirit uh, to do a work in us that we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear all that you have for us today. And God, take my words and uh, I pray that you'd use them to bear much fruit in our lives and our community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in 1914, there was a fog off the coast of Virginia. And a boat, a steamboat called the Monroe, was rammed by another boat called the Nantucket. Immediately, they assumed that the Nantucket was at fault for the 41 lives that were lost. But as the investigations went on, it was discovered that the boat, the boat Monroe was operating with a faulty compass. The compass was only two degrees off, but on a night where the, the waters were covered by fog and the, the captain could not see anything, he relied solely on that compass. And being just two degrees off, it put that steamboat in a place that it was not expected to be. And tragedy struck. When we go the wrong way, when we find ourselves off course, it can have disastrous consequences. And no one wants to go the wrong way, right? None of us like being lost and none of us enjoy the stress on vacation where Google Maps won't load fast enough and the turn is coming and we don't know if we should take it or not. We want to be found where we're supposed to be. We want to walk the way that we want to walk. We want to find ourselves at the destination that we want to get at. But sometimes things get in the way. And while, getting, while this is all true in getting from A to B, how much more true is it of our own lives? Life is a journey, isn't it? And as we move along in the journey of life, we hope that we are moving forward toward a life that is good and beautiful and right. That as we make big choices in life, as we make decisions regarding education and where we're going to school, how we're going to study, when we make choices around a career or choices within our relationships, as we make choices as parents, as we look at our kids and say, what type of a parent do I want to be? Or when we enter into retirement and wonder how we're going to spend that time, we hope along the way we are making the right decisions And that as days and weeks and months pass, as these decisions culminate, we become the type of people that we hope to be. But as we walk that way, there is so much that tries to disorient our hearts. And sometimes we're left looking for instruction, looking for direction. Where do we get that direction from? How do we be people who recalibrate the compasses of our own hearts to make sure that we are not moving forward two or three or four or five degrees off course? There's lots of places to go to look for direction. This morning I asked Google how I can be a great parent. Um, It only takes nine steps, so that was encouraging. Just nine things I have to do to be a great parent, so thank you, Google. We can go to social media and read various articles or watch vlogs posted by influencers and and friends and family. We can seek out a trustworthy or proven source. We could perhaps follow our own hearts, just go through life always leaning on our own instincts. But what if there's a different way? I'm sure, like... Many of you, uh, I'm sure many of you are like me, who have at home furniture that you've built yourself. So you've you've gone to Ikea or somewhere and you bring home all these boxes, right? We open all the boxes. Uh, And when we do that, I'm someone who, I try to build the furniture without looking at the instructions, right? Because that's just the way you do it. And so I get to work, but inevitably I come to this point in my building where I don't know what I'm doing. And the bookshelf isn't looking much like a bookshelf. And I'm wondering how this is all going to go. And what do I do? At that point, I turn to the instructions. I turn to the manufacturer. I look to the one who designed the bookshelf and knows how it's meant to function, and I ask the question, okay, how do I put all this together? Friends, what if our lives are that same way? The God who made us, who loves us, who cares about us, what if he is provided a way what if he's given us the way that we are meant to go? What if he's given us the resources that we need to navigate this life? Friends, I believe God has given us the way. And Psalm 1 talks about that for us. I hope this morning you brought your Bibles. Uh, you can open to Psalm chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, there are Bibles available at the Usher station station. And we're going to just walk through this psalm together. Because this psalm gives us this picture of the blessed life. And when I think about the person I want to be, I think blessed is, is a good word to describe it. I want to be someone who is blessed. The NLT translates this word as, oh, the joys of the one. And I like that. That this person is one who is full of joy. Other translations just use the word happy. Happy is the one. This word implies the experience of God's favor. So who is this blessed person? What is this blessed person like? Well, the psalm begins by telling us what the blessed person does not do. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. The blessed person does not allow themselves to adopt a perspective of life that has rejected the reality of a good, loving, and involved God. Okay, this is where it starts. What does the blessed person not do? The blessed person recognizes that God has given them a way, and the blessed person has decided, I'm going to walk the way that God has called me to walk, which means that I'm not going to walk in other ways. Well, what are these other ways? Well, the other ways are described primarily by the types of people that you might find there. The psalm describes, uses three different words to describe people who have rejected God's way. The first is the wicked. Now, the wicked is a recurring character in the book of Psalms whose actions conflict with the way of God. This person is a sinner, which very simply means that they rejected God's way and they live ways that are contrary to his way. Their life does not line up with the expectations or desires of God. And then the mocker. The mocker, you could translate that word literally to be big talkers. Someone who insists on being their own authority. Someone who insists that they know what's best. Someone who insists that their way is the way that not only they should walk, but perhaps everyone else should walk as well. They rely on their own authority and reject the authority of others. So the blessed person is one who's rejected these things. They've said, I'm not going to be with the wicked or the sinner or the mocker. Okay? Then what are they doing? but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. They find joy in God's way and in God's presence. Now, at first glance, when I read this, my my thought is, okay, to be the blessed person, I just have to read the Bible? Like, seriously? Is, Is that what this psalm is telling me? And while on first glance it might look like that, I think when we dive a bit deeper, we see that there's a lot more going on than simply that instruction. Now when we read a verse like this, I think oftentimes in our culture especially, we kind of reject this word law. We don't love the idea of an authority coming over us and telling us what we have to do. We just don't like it. We're like, ah, it feels like bondage. It feels like someone keeping me from, from experiencing and doing just the things that I want to do. So what's up with that? I don't like laws. I don't like rules. But this word law is, is literally the word Torah in the Hebrew. And the word Torah, we could bring into English by meaning in direction or instruction. So while the word carries the same idea of, yes, it is a law, um, there's a lot more to it than that. It's from the verb yara, which is me trying to speak Hebrew, which I'm not very good at. uh, But from the verb yara, which means to throw something and hit the mark. So what is the law? The law hits the mark of our human condition. It anticipates our needs and desires while providing safety and accommodation for our flourishing. So this blessed person who's meditating on the law is not simply reading the Bible, but they're immersing themselves in the law of the Lord, which is designed to provide safety and accommodation for our flourishing. This makes a lot of sense to me as a parent with young kids, because I oftentimes have to tell my kids what to do and what not to do, because if they didn't have my instruction, they'd get into lots of trouble. (laughs) And when I discipline my kids, I often start with this line. I ask them this question. And I say, What is daddy's job? What is daddy's job? And my child, often with tears in their eyes because they're frustrated at what's going on, will look up and say, To keep me safe. To keep me safe. Dad, why are you keeping me from picking up my little brother and running around the house? Dad, why are you keeping me from climbing up on the counter? Dad, why can't I play with the knives? (laughs) To keep you safe. Because I love you. When I approach my children with rules, the posture of my heart is not simply to limit them, to come down on them, to condone them. I am approaching them with rules because I love them. And I need to keep them safe. Friends, if we believe that God is our maker, if we believe that he created humanity, then we have to trust That as our maker, as our designer, He knows how you and I are going to get the most out of life without blowing it. He knows how you and I are going to experience the best life that we could ever experience. He knows what's going to keep us safe. So when we think of the law, we shouldn't simply think of this list of rules and instructions. And if we just do the right thing, then we'll be the right kinds of people. We need to listen to the law and hear the heart of a loving father. That as we read God's word it's it's his heart coming to us anticipating our needs and desires while providing safety and accommodation for our flourishing. I think this is why this blessed person is finding joy in the law. Cuz he's experiencing in it the heart and the love of God. And in addition to this, I believe that the law was understood to be the voice of the God who loves us. It was more than words on a page, but a living presence. That when you read the Bible, you're reading the very voice of God. You're experiencing the voice, His voice and His presence in the words. Hebrews chapter 4 speaks to this. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Wow. It's a lot more than just reading the Bible. You know, when I think about this whole piece of the presence of God in in his word, I'm reminded of a season of Jelena and I's relationship that was quite short, where we, we lived apart Um, And during that time, we communicated um, through letters. And if you're in junior high and high school, you might not know what a letter is. Um, But it's like the slowest text message ever, right? You get out a piece of paper, you write on it, you shove it in an envelope, and you send it through the mail to someone else. And they open it and read it and write something and send it back. Um, And we would do this. We would write letters to one another. And I just remember receiving those letters and just the anticipation and the excitement. And it was like I was able to experience a bit of her presence in that letter. Friends, God has spoken to us in his word. As we read the Bible, we have the opportunity to experience the presence of our maker. As his spirit brings it to life, as he opens our eyes to see him and understand him in new ways. So this blessed person rightly finds delight In the law of the Lord, in the words that are designed to keep him safe in the presence of God, in his reading. Well, how is it that he experiences this? Well, in Psalm 1-2, not only is he reading the Bible, but he's meditating on the law day and night. When we hear the word meditation, we often think of a monk, maybe, who meditates all day or or this picture of someone sitting up on a mountain with their legs crossed and they're humming to themselves, meditating. Um, that is not at all what uh, this word means here in Psalm chapter 1. But the picture that accompanies it is, is more about uh, this idea of chewing on the word. That when we start reading it, we, we don't just kind of bring it into our brains and go, okay, I, I understand, and move on to the next thing. But it's bringing it into us and, and thinking about it. Constantly and, and chewing on it and allowing the words to move from being on the page from into our minds and work, letting it work down into our hearts. It's less intellectual processing, but it's more about hearing and rehearing the heart of God in the word of God. It moves us from cognitive knowledge to walking with Jesus. This is something we try to communicate um, in our mission statement, when we talk about we want to know Jesus at TCC, walk with Jesus, and share Jesus. When we talk about knowing Him, it is this idea of learning, of growing in our understanding of who the Lord is. And that we experience Him not only through teaching and reading the Bible, but also um, perhaps experientially through prayer or a time of worship. But we recognize that knowing Him needs to be worked out and lived out in the day-to-day realities of our lives. And so we add this layer of not only do we want to know Jesus, but we want to walk with Him. And friends, I believe that when Psalm 1 is talking about meditating on the Word, it is this movement from knowing it to living it out and walking it out in the day-to-day realities of our lives. We meditate on the Word when we take in small portions of Scripture and just think about it throughout our day. We meditate on the Word when we memorize it and commit it to our hearts, storing it up in our hearts. We meditate on the Word when we, when we sit and we pray through the words that we're reading, not rushing through it, trying to get to the next chunk, next chapter, next thing. In the New Testament, I believe that this concept is echoed in John 15, when Jesus says, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear good fruit in itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Meditating on God's word is a means of us remaining in him. So the blessed person, first described by what they do not do, um, is then told to us by what they do, like what are they doing. They're meditating on the word of the Lord. They're finding joy in the word of the Lord. Now what does that result in? Well, this person becomes something. Just got to grab something. So the person becomes something as they meditate on the word of the Lord. And we have this beautiful picture in Psalm chapter 1 that the person who meditates on the word of the Lord becomes like a tree. Oh, sorry, Tim. Becomes like a tree... That is planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in season. So, the the tree is 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 one that is situated in a position that is conducive to its flourishing. Planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in season. Which I think is important for us to remember that there's certain seasons of your life where you're going to be fruitful in different ways. For those of you with young kids at home. The fruit of this season looks different, not less than other seasons. And as we go through life, there's a fruitfulness. that the, the fruit of the tree, a tree in and of itself, it's meant to produce something. It's meant to, to do something. That as the tree is sitting in the right conditions, the fruit comes in and out of season. And I love this last part, whatever they do prospers. So when we think about the types of people that we want to be, I think a tree well describes the type of person that I think I want to be. When we read Psalm chapter 1, it builds to this climax of what is this person like? They are like a tree. We're meant to read Psalm chapter 1 and think to myself, man, I, I want to be that tree. I want to be a person who is fruitful. I want to be a person who is prospering in life. The imagery is rich and striking. But then the psalm goes on, right? It doesn't stop there. It says, Not so the wicked, for they are like chaff. That the wind blows away. We get this strong contrast in Psalm chapter 1 between a flourishing tree, just kind of a bunch of sticks, and the psalm asks us this question, who do you want to be? Which do you want to be like? A tree planted by streams of water that's prospering in all that they are made to do, or like chaff? That the wind blows away. The psalm goes on to have this um, language of the final judgment. This picture, this reality that all of our lives are moving towards something. That there is eternity that we will enter into. And the psalm tells us that the wicked will not be in the company of the righteous. Righteous. They will not stand in the judgment. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked leads to destruction. These are heavy words. Heavy words that call us to consider our ways. Friends, the invitation throughout Scripture is to walk the way that God has for us. Psalm 1, among many other passages, is inviting us to the way, to walk the way that God has paved out for us. And it culminates, I believe, for us in Jesus' invitation to his disciples. We read throughout the Gospels, and this one's from Mark 1, 17, come and follow me. Jesus says, come and follow me. And I absolutely love this because we don't have so much a map. We have a a trail guide. Not only has God given us his word with instruction of of how to live, but he's also given us his son and his spirit so that we don't have to walk this way alone. God has not created us, just kind of left us here to figure out life on our own he's not abandoned us to our own resources but he's given us his word he's given us his son and the power of his spirit that enables us to walk a way that leads to life and say no to a way that leads to destruction do you catch the love of God in that his love for you his care for you he doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us to some trail that we've never walked before. He doesn't say, go and figure it out by yourself. But he comes to us. He makes a way for us. And he helps us to walk the way that leads to life. So how do we follow? How do we respond to this invitation of Jesus to come and follow him? How do we walk in the ways that God has for us. I think the first thing we need to do is consider who we are following. <laughs> consider who you are following. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never considered the idea of following the way of God. That whole idea might seem super foreign and weird. This, this concept that, that there's a God in heaven who cares about you and has invited you to follow him might seem really, really strange. But when we describe this life that the Bible spells out for us, maybe it doesn't seem so much strange as it does seem compelling. The simple thing to do in that case is to respond to the invitation. (laughs) and To say, yes, I want to follow. I want to walk that way. I want to take my direction from Jesus. So maybe that's you this morning. I think for some of us this morning, when we think about Psalm 1, we need to consider our ways in light of Psalm 1, verse 1. And notice the drift that happens in Psalm 1 1. It's interesting to note that the way that it's written, there's this progression from walking to standing to sitting. And when I think about my life with God, there's seasons of life where there's a lot of joy in following Jesus. And there's a sense of blessing. And, and in those seasons, it's sometimes it's easy for me to maybe walk on over and check out other ways and see other things. Or maybe I'm dealing with discouragement and frustration in my life and I just want to go walk. and How are other people, how are non-Christians dealing with these types of scenarios? They're just going to walk over and take a look. But maybe seasons keep getting difficult or we get distracted or something in our lives and, and suddenly we're not walking over and walking back, but we're just walking and now we're standing over here. And then perhaps that grows in our lives to a point where we're actually sitting and we're making our home somewhere very different than it used to be. I think the life that God calls us to is very compelling. It's rich and vibrant, but the invitation to other ways can also be very compelling. And Psalm 1 calls us to pay attention to the way that we're walking, to pay attention to whether or not our curiosity is growing maybe too much and we're looking over the fence for greener grass. All the while, Jesus is calling us to remain with Him, to walk with Him, to stay close with Him, even though it's confusing, even though it's hard, even though there's difficulty in season. Don't let your walk turn to a sit in another way. For some of us this morning, Psalm 1 is a call to repentance, which is a very appropriate word when we think about the metaphor of walking with Jesus. Because repentance is not simply saying, I'm sorry, but it's about turning around and walking a different direction. So perhaps you find yourself sitting in another way this morning and there's this, man, I want to repent of this. The repentance is picking yourself up, turning and walking back to Jesus' way. He's inviting us to that. He's calling us to that. And I love in Psalm 1, it's calling us to transplant ourselves. You'll notice that the tree in Psalm 1 is described as having been planted by streams of living water. It's been removed from one place and put in a place where it can flourish. Friends, I think that you and I have a responsibility in where we put ourselves where we put our minds, where we meditate. And the question that comes to me from Psalm 1 is, where do I need to remove myself from? Is there something going on with social media that causes me to want to walk a different way? Is there a television show or something that I'm exposing myself that causes me to consider other ways more than the way of God? God. Is there a group of friends that maybe for a season I need to be careful how much time I'm spending with them because they're calling me to another way? And we need to see our responsibility in being people who meditate on the law of God and find delight in the law of God and pay attention to times when we start finding delight in other ways. In addition to considering our ways, we need to simply follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. We do this by listening to the voice of Jesus spoken in the Scriptures. Now, to be very clear, when I say that we need to listen to the voice of Jesus spoken in the Scriptures, I'm not talking about the red letters in the New Testament of your Bibles. Um, I'm not a huge fan of red letter Bibles. Um, I think the publishers put, there, put them there to sell Bibles but if you affirm that Jesus is God and that the entirety of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is the Word of God, then we would rightly color all the words in our Bible red. Um, and so we need to be careful with that at times, not to give too much emphasis uh, to the red letters over, uh, over and, above and beyond other parts of the Bible. Um, but as we read God's Word, we need to immerse ourselves in it and hear the voice of Jesus inviting us to a particular way of life. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read these familiar words for some that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love how this verse ends because it reminds me of Psalm chapter 1, this picture of a tree that prospers in all that it does. Here in 2 Timothy, that we would be equipped for every good work. Two things I would love to say were true of me, that I'm fruitful, that I am equipped. Both of these texts pointing to the importance of immersing ourselves in God's Word. And as we read God's Word, as we saturate ourselves in it, we need to keep His ways. Friends, we need God's Word so much in our lives because The conditions of Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 are so prevalent in our world. We live in a culture where we're bombarded with messages that tell us we need to accumulate more money and stuff to be happy. But God's word teaches us that our treasures are in heaven and that we'll have joy in his treasures more than any counterfeit that the world has to offer We need God's word because culture is telling us that we need to achieve a certain status to be fulfilled. But God's word teaches us that we'll find fulfillment in service rather than status. Humility over power. We need God's word because we see in culture that people seem to act as if we need to prove, need to find, they need to demonstrate that they are worthy of love. They need to prove themselves to be accepted or to be loved, but the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I need the Bible more than ever because I hear in culture that I need to look inside myself to find my truth, but the Bible tells me that I have not been abandoned by my maker to know the truth, but that God is my teacher and wants to reveal the truth to me. We live in a culture where we hear that we need to follow our hearts to find our identity, but the Bible teaches us that our identity is in Christ. In a culture that models for us that we need to fight to control our outcomes, the Bible teaches us that it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God that we approach our difficulty. We're in a culture that wants to teach us that sex is simply recreation, but the Bible teaches us that it, is an, that it is at its ultimate best when it is bathed in love's familiarity, warmth, vulnerability and intimacy found in God's gift of marriage, and that removing it from this context can actually cause harm. We live in a culture that when we watch the news or media, right and wrong seems confusing and morality seems subjective. But the Bible God's word reminds us that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and a standard for what is good and beautiful and right. When I see all the worries of the world and I feel anxiety well up in me, I need God's word to reveal to me that Jesus is on the throne and that nothing will remove him. I need God's word because there are situations that disappoint me. But his word teaches me that nothing is unseen by my God and that he is with me no matter my circumstances. When sickness grabs my body, I need God's word to remind me that though my flesh may fail, God is my strength and my portion forever and that this earth is not our final home. And when culture wants me to believe that this life is all that there is, I need God's Word to remind me that I was made for eternity with Him and that what I do in this life matters. So friends, I don't know about you, but I need God's Word. The allure of other ways is so strong. The invitation to despair and to strive to be a certain type of person that is contrary to God's Word is strong. I need the truth of God's Word to be stronger. But it can never do that if I don't meditate on it day and night, if I don't read it, if I don't saturate myself in the story of God amongst the stories of so many other types of living. Friends, we need God's Word, and we need to do what it says We need to follow Jesus and and do what his word says to become more like him. To become more like him. We often call this discipleship, the process of becoming more like Jesus. And here at TCC, we see this as a process. Many of you have seen this uh, diagram before. Uh, We call this our discipleship framework. It's a working theory of change uh, developed by Dallas Willard. Uh, And we tend to lean on certain points more than others. But we believe that as individuals, we follow Jesus as we engage with teaching, practices, and community. And doing that, empowered by the Holy Spirit, over time. And that over time, we will become more like Jesus. And that is our prayer, that as a church, we would become more like Jesus. The programming and the things that we do as a church is just an opportunity for for you to experience these things, teaching, community, and practices in a way where you are formed and made more into the image and the likeness of Jesus. And we tend to lean more on one point than in others. And and I think about this teaching as the obvious one. For many of us, we have great disciplines of reading the Bible. But maybe we actually struggle to put it into practice. Or maybe we struggle to to bring our Bible reading into the context of community. I love in Psalm 1 verse 5 this this transition from looking at an individual to looking at the assembly of the righteous. That this blessed person is not alone. May that be said of us as well. So friends, we want to invite you this morning... Uh, to walk the way of jesus to hear his invitation to come and follow me and respond to it a couple of ways we want to do this this fall first is our sermon series which we're titling uh, the way uh, which is going to be a series uh, in the ten commandments you'll notice this morning was not a message on the ten commandments um, but over the next 11 weeks uh, we will be looking at the ten commandments as a bit of a map For us, as we answer this question of what does it look like to walk in the way of Jesus. Um, And as Psalm 1 teaches, I think a key to us walking in the way is immersing our minds and our hearts in Scripture. When Israel was brought out of Egypt, God gave them ten commandments. And in doing so, he showed them the way to life. And we want to explore that way uh, this fall. And as we do that, we want to invite you into the practice of reading the Bible. Uh, for many of you, uh, this is a, a practice that you've been engaged in for years and years. Uh, this handout should have been on a few of the chairs as you came in. Um, it, there's more available at the Connection Center if you want to go and grab these. Um, but as a church, we want to invite you to go and, and walk through the, the Gospel of Mark with us this, this fall as a way to practice reading Scripture. ...as a way to practice meditating on Scripture. Um, And this is designed very specifically. Um, I didn't want to create something that was checkmark-based for us to be like, hey, day one, day two, day three, I did my readings. Um, but we wanted something to invite you into reading Scripture maybe a little bit differently and to slow down and put into practice this idea of meditating on, on the Word. Uh, so the instructions are on there, but very simply, we're looking at one chapter of Mark um, for the next 16 weeks starting this Sunday. Um, so can you read a chapter of Scripture a week? I, I think we can do that together. Um, and the idea on the back, um, that you'll see these daily exercises. And so we've given you five days of homework to interact with as you read the one chapter. And our prayer, again, um, is just that as you, as you engage in this, you'll move beyond just reading the Word, uh, but meditating on it. So the day two and three exercise uh, is, is one kind of helping to focus us on ...on that practice of meditating on the Word. And then day four, the application piece is, you know, what from this chapter do you want to put into practice? And day five is memorization. Uh, For some of you, maybe you've never read the Bible before, uh, this is a great place to start... Uh, This is, I think this is very attainable. Uh, It's a little bit different for us, but we encourage you to start that. For others of you who maybe already have a reading plan, uh, you've been going through the Bible in a year, I just encourage you to consider supplementing uh, what you're already doing um, with this exercise and join us as we read Scripture uh, together. Again, more of these resources are available um, at the back. So we invite you to grab those. Um, But friends, just as we uh, close this message... I think we revisit these types of themes often. Um, Most Septembers, we go back to our discipleship framework and we talk about our mission as a church and we invite you uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, But I want to encourage you this morning not to check out of these basic principles. Don't resist hearing Jesus' invitation no matter what season you find yourself in. This morning as we meditate on Psalm chapter 1, What of that psalm is tugging at your hearts this morning? Again, for some of you, it might be for the first time responding to that invitation to follow the ways of God. For others, a recognition that there's ways that you're walking in your life that you know just aren't consistent with what God has called you to. And it's an invitation to return. I just want to lead us in a a time of prayer. Let me invite the worship team to come forward. And let's meditate on, on Psalm 1 together as we do that. Father God, we thank you for this time uh, to look to your word. Lord, and as we read Psalm 1, it is so full of invitations for us uh, to consider our ways. Lord, to consider the blessing and the good life that you have for us. To see the way in which we can get there. And Lord, as we listen I pray that we would hear your invitation to come and follow you. Lord, help us to do that. And whatever that looks like for us today, be it a prayer of commitment, a prayer of repentance, a time of confession, whatever it may be, Jesus, help us to walk in the ways that you have called us to walk. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just grant us power as we seek to do that. Lord, keep us on the way that you want us to go, we pray. Lord, that we may be the people that you have created us to be. Amen.